Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Real Deal Talk. Here we go again. I haven't shot in a couple of weeks here. So uh, I'm very excited about this one, ladies and gentlemen, as I always am. But today, this one's extra special. We have our second most mature guest on the show. We, it, it, and this is now this is this is again super special because this is Kat uh, from Catalyst Wellness. It's her mother, and 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 Yuda, right? Did I pronounce that correctly? Sort of. Yuta. <laughs> Yuta. Yes. Okay. And seventy six. How Ooh, old? I have to say that almost, almost, not quite. Almost. Not okay. Quite. Couple more months missing. Couple more months. Okay. Because you're right there with my mom. You're right. Both almost almost the identical age. Very, I think within a year of each other, right? Give mm-hmm. or take. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this one's going to be. I just can't wait for this one. I'm telling you, because Kat had some stories that she was telling me in her interview. And by the way, if you want to get up to speed, go back to Kat's interview on my podcast. Um, that'll be kind of like of, of uh, part one, and then part two is going to be with Yuta. Uh, today because she's going to fill in the gaps here because there was things that Kat was telling me about the child that her childhood (laughs) that I still can't believe to this day and we're going to dig I can't wait to dig further into what I was at what we were asking and talking about with her because you were part of that right right and one of which is that boat story and don't don't start talking about it It, they lived on a boat for how many years was it about four and a half four and a half years they lived on a boat and this is, I'm not talking about just being in the marina, right? Where, where no, it's, no, no, no. Like you it's actually, out on the ocean. Because you know how people have, a, like, oh, yeah, I live on a boat, right? And, they, and they're at the marina, and mm-hmm. all they do is they drive to the marina, and it's like their house in the, uh, there, which, I, which I've heard of. That's, no, that's I'm not going to say that's normal. It, it, it is. Most it's more normal. just sit in the marina. Yes. Yes. You guys, you didn't just live in the marina. You actually were abroad on the seven seas. Right. If that even is a term, I don't know what that is. <laughs> on the water, you were actually on the ocean uh-huh. all the time. Okay, so that's it. We're not. We're not. I'm going to come back around to that story because I can't get enough of it. It's just blowing my mind. First, let's get a quick word from our sponsor. <clears throat> and ladies and gentlemen, if you want, first and foremost, let me tell you, I cannot thank you all enough for watching, for listening. Everywhere I'm going now, church, uh, the gym. People are coming up to me and giving me feedback. They're telling me how much they love the show, and I can't even begin to tell you how much I appreciate that. Seriously, like, uh, uh, like, I'm blown away when people say, "Oh my gosh, I love it! I'm, I can't wait to tune in." And I'm always like, "Really? You do? Like, I can't believe this." So I can't tell you the, the feedback, DMs, reviews. I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for listening, for watching, for sharing the show. And again, if you want to support the show, please share it. Uh, tell people about it. Put up a review. Put up a like. Whatever you can do that to, to help us expand this thing and, and to hit more, you know, impact the world. You guys, you guys know why I do this. Is I want to impact the world in a positive way as much as I can. So, but if you want to support the show financially, then you go to the company that's paying the bills here at Real Deal Talk, and that is our other company, Real Deal Sleep, which is right now San Diego's highest rated mattress store on Yelp. Actually, I think we're the highest rated in the entire country because no other mattress store in the country has more Yelp review, five-star Yelp reviews than Real Deal Sleep in San Diego. So realdealsleep.com. If you want to get form-fitted with a custom mattress like I do, uh, we have the, the sleep number bed. Now, we actually have the number bed, which is a better 
than the sleep number at a better price. Number bed, we can customize the actual firmness level on your side. On top of that, I do um, zero gravity massage features. You name it, we can do customizations. If you want an uh, inexpensive mattress, three, four, five hundred bucks, we've got those too. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, can't thank you enough. But if you want to support the show financially, realdealsleep.com. All right, back to Utah. Is that better? Oh, and I want to quickly say I yeah. have one of those. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's heavenly. Love it. Yes. Love it. So I made, I saw a, a, a video that Kat was doing where her mother sleeps at Kat's house in her room, right? Mm-hmm. In, in Utah's room. And I noticed that the bed was on a, on a box spring and the bed was flat. And I was horrified. And I said, I texted Kat immediately. I said, Kat, you can't have your mother sleeping flat. <laughs> She's like, well, I'm not, I'm, I am not buying a zero gravity sleep system for the guest room. I said, well, listen to me. I will take care of you. Well, let's, let's split this thing. I'm going to give you a killer deal. Basically, you know, I, I cut her crazy because I, I said, I can't have this. I can't have mom sleeping flat. Well, thank you. I, I, I swear. I actually made her get this. I texted her. I said, because I saw that box spring. I was like, ew, uh-huh. that bed's flat. Gross. And if you don't, guys know what I'm talking about, guys, if you're sleeping flat, flat is old school, right? How great is it to have your feet elevated? My gosh, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. So because you increase your blood flow when your head's elevated, you increase your oxygen. So anyway, I said, let's just do it. So we delivered. And next thing you know, the next mm-hmm. video that went up is uh, Utah uh, um, sleeping with her feet or, or lying in the bed with her feet completely elevated. It was the best well, thing. I, I did the thing. What's it called? The yeah. uh, the zero gravity. The zero. Oh yeah, zero that's right. Hit zero gravity. Yeah, I hit yeah. the zero gravity. It's so comfortable. I do that every evening, <laughs> every and then I turn the massager on. Yes. And, oh my gosh, See? it's like sleeping on cloud I got seven. you. See, yeah. I, I actually made her get that. She, she did not come <laughs> to me and say, "Hey, it. yeah." Yes. When I saw the video, I, I felt horrible. I'm like, if you're in my life. Um, which Kat and I are, and, and Rachel and I and our family, uh, Kat's a big part of our life, and, and Jason, of course. Um, you, you're, you're Within six months, you're not going to be sleeping flat anymore. So I, I made sure that happened. So I'm so glad you love it. All right, let's get back to the show here, Yuta. All right, let's go back now. Give me some, give me some of your childhood stuff. I want to give everybody, let's find out how you got to where you're at and how your parenting skills, because we're going to get pearls today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to, we're talking to a, how many children do you have? Three. Three. Okay. Um, And, uh, and of course we're going to hit that boat story. We're going to get on that. I'm telling you right now, I can't wait to dig further into that. All right. So go back to your childhood. Now, the accent. I, this is something I'm, I still haven't been able to put the, put together. How I grew do you up have in an Germany. Accent? Okay, there it is. I'm German. You're German, okay. I grew up in post-war Germany, born in 1947, so just a couple of years after the end of the war. And I wasn't actually supposed to be here because my parents really didn't want to have children right away, but it happened. So um, I had a very nice childhood. My mother stayed home, my father worked, and uh, then I have a brother and sister who came, they came much later, about nine years and 13 years later, because wow. after me, they were a little more careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I grew up in a small town in southeast Germany, but on the west side of Germany. And uh, basically, uh, in those days, the whole area was my playground. You know, so I had a wonderful upbringing, wonderful childhood. I had lots of friends, played out, had adventures. That's it. And, and so your parents, you said your dad worked, right? My dad worked. What did uh-huh. he do? Came up he was he was um, a manager in a, in a company, and they made building materials. <clears throat> and, and how was the uh, the relationship between your parents? Were they 
Did you notice it was a great relationship? Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it was great. He was the typical German ah, dad, yep. German macho man. He determined everything. He did everything. And my mother was a bit of a mouse, I thought. Mm. My mother was the warmest person, wonderful person, but she didn't dare say a lot because he would blow up. He was also... Um, he spent his growing up years, not growing up years, teenage years, I would say, in the Second World War. Ah. Okay, he was drafted at 17. He wow. was in Russia the whole time. He never talked about that, ever. Ever. But it must have been horrific. No you kidding. Know? So that kind of balance. And my mother really, growing up during the war, there were no young men around. So she had no experience. Yeah. You know, he came back. She met him through a cousin uh, at the American prison of war camp in Nuremberg, which was the closest town. And, uh, I mean, he was extremely lucky. He was caught by the Americans at the end of the war and not by the Russians, because wow. otherwise he would have ended up in Siberia or God knows where. And uh, so he ended up at the American prison of war camp, which was the old barracks in Nuremberg. And they were treated very well. And uh, a cousin of my mother's was there. So she went to visit him, and he was a buddy of my, of her cousin. That's how she met my dad. Wow. And so he was an actual P <coughs> POW? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <clears throat> no way. And when he got out, he had nowhere to go. He didn't know where his family was because he was originally from eastern Germany, which is now Poland. And his family, his mother, had to flee with three daughters during this horrible winter of 44, which was the coldest winter ever. ever. And one of her daughters died along the way. <clears throat> and, um, I mean, it must have been horrific, but he had no idea where his family was, and he eventually found out through the Red Cross. His father was also in the war. They never heard about him ever again. So he just probably was killed. Wow. And um, anyway, when he got out, my since he was sort of dating my mother, my grandfather offered him a place to stay at the house and uh, where well, they got married and here I am. Wow. So that's the background. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, and he was a nice guy. I mean, he provided for us and everything else, but he was not a terribly lovey-dovey kind of say, yeah. person, you know, which probably had a lot to do with his background. Oh, absolutely. And, um, but um, we went camping every year. That was our vacation. And, um, he did the cooking during the camping. Oh, he did? He did the cooking during the camping. He loved that. He never touched the kitchen any other time. But, <laughs> but he touched the grill. He touched the grill during camping. Oh, that's But nice. he had to have a jug of wine with it. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can only imagine, you know, so you're, you're, so you're telling me that he had no contact with either parent. No, not for a while. Not <sighs> for a while. And then he found out his mother was somewhere in northern Germany with his two sisters, he also found out that his other sister had died of pneumonia at 19 on during the flight Man. from East Germany because during the cold winter there were no medications, there was nothing. Right. You know, so. Such a different yeah. world, right? Such a different world. Such a different world. Yes. People have no idea. Uh huh. Like even the even the common cold, the flu, stuff like that, way back in the day. Was, I know there was nothing. Yeah. You know, if um, you got sick. If you weren't unlucky, you just died. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wow, incredible. Um, all right, so then, um, so basically, 
not the most lovey-dovey guy, but provided. So your mom, talk to me about the relationship you had with your mom. Oh, I had a wonderful relationship with my mom. She was just a sweetheart. She was always there for us. She was the most unselfish person Aww. ever. If she, if she, if there wasn't enough food to go around, which at the beginning there really wasn't, she wouldn't eat. She would give it to us. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, unfortunately, my father was a gardener. We had a big garden. And we grew all our own vegetables, fruit trees, and all that kind of thing. So, you know, we, we grew up very healthy, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't have a lot of meat. Um, we just ate tons of vegetables. Wow. And lots of potatoes. Lots of potatoes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So then did you, any, did you do any uh, sports, any dance when you were growing up? Do you remember anything? Um, yeah, I did gymnastics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the structure, school structure in Germany is quite different. Sports are kind of separate mm. from the school. If you want to do a sport, you go to a sports club and you do it through that, not through school. And you did gymnastics. Schools are more academic, yeah. oriented, oriented. How was school there? Did you like school? Was it tough? Was it? No, it wasn't. I liked school. Yeah, yeah school was nice. School and, was and nice. And gymnastics was your favorite? Did you like uh-huh. it? Gymna- I did gymnastics, yeah. How, I how long did you do that for? I don't remember. For yeah. a few years. Two years? For a few years, yeah. And then, so talk to me. Any childhood mm-hmm. memories that were monumental that... You know, you remember this moment as a child, uh, maybe when your brothers and sisters came around or well, anything that was monumental. At that, that point, I, when my sister came around, I was already nine years old. So basically, I, with her, I just remember my mother always saying, okay, you have to take your sister along. So I always thought, got to take my sister along. And then when my brother came, I was 13. <laughs> he could almost have, have been mine. I had to change his diapers, feed him, be babysitter, you know. So I really wasn't terribly fond of my brother and sister because they were always, I always had to drag them with me. Yeah. So did you basically, <laughs> uh, were you a big part of helping take care of your brother? Um, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And um, and the funny thing is I really ha- did not have a, an adult relationship with my brother at all because by the time... I left Germany, which was when I was 19. He was still a little kid. Yeah. And so many years, 20 years later, no, longer than that, he came with his wife then on a boat trip with us. That was much later, different boat trip. And I finally got to know my brother Mm. when he was in his 40s. Wow. How How did that go? Great. Yeah. Great, because we really didn't have much of a relationship, you know, because yeah. he was always the little brother. He was just a little kid. Yeah, 13 years apart, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a, that's quite a gap. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I have, a, I have a great relationship with him now, and especially with my sister, more so with my sister. Girls are just different. Where, you do, know, they, where do they live? Uh, they both live in Germany. They do? Mm-hmm. No kidding. But they've come to visit me. We've taken trips together. Oh, Especially with my sister. You know, my brother is not as, doesn't communicate as much, but boys never do. <laughs> I should say men. Men. And whatever. <laughs> some, are, some are still boys. Right. Right. Um, or man child, we yeah. call them, right? Right. Not that we're calling your brother that. I'm just saying in general. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So now uh, high school, you got to, you said you left in, at 19. So what happened in high school? High Any, school? Anything in, uh, no, nothing, nothing exciting really. In high school in those days, only went to the age of 16. Mm. Okay. So after that, I wanted to go on to college. My father, typical, 
uh, of the times said, no way am I going to spend any money on a girl's education because girls get married, they have babies, and it's a waste uh, of money, it's a waste of time. You go to work, earn some money. Mm, so I did. So I did. What, I, what did mom say about that? She didn't really agree, but yeah. she really didn't have any say about it. Yeah. You know, it's nothing she could do. And about now it. in high school, did you realize the dynamic between your parents? Like, did you, like, were you witnessing this and saying, hmm, dad's controlling or is controlling everything? Mom doesn't have much of a say. Were you realizing oh, that? Oh, yes. Okay. Did you ever say anything oh, to your yes. mom about it? I did. I said, why do you take that? Why do you just take that and not say anything? Oh, she said, it's a lot more peaceful this way. Mm. You know, if I, if I would make us think about it, like say the washing machine would break down and we didn't have a washing machine for a long time. We didn't have a TV until I was 16. Um, then he would put on this dance and show about, you know, it wasn't her fault that it broke, but he would make such a big fuss about it and she would just kind of stand there and take it. I said, why do you take this? Why do you take this? Why don't you say something? She said, oh, then we just have a fight. I'm not going to do that. So I swore to myself, I would never stand for that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which here we go. so here we go to the opposite we're, side, we're, right? We're going to come back around to that <laughs> yes. that quote right there, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Famous last words, right? Famous last words, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you were verbal to her, saying, "Why do you take?" That? I was, yeah. I was, and I only see her blow up at him one time, just one time. What was it about? Do you remember? Well, he had this stupid habit oh, um, of coming home from work, and he usually wouldn't come home until about 7 o'clock or so. He really worked hard. And then my mother would have dinner ready, and he would say, well, I'm not hungry right now. I'm going to just sit and relax for a while. So he would go down the basement, get himself a glass of wine, and um, sit there in front of the TV. And um, dinner was ready, right? So we all ate. And then my mother would put it in the fridge and say, well, whenever you feel like it, there it is. And uh, But one time he came home and she had cooked a real nice dinner and she had served everybody, put it on the plates, and he did the same old thing again. And she had that plate in her hand and she just threw the whole plate down in front of him and with the food on it and this everything. When he, when he was in the basement? No, no, when he was in, he was in the kitchen. Okay, okay. Yeah. and she throws down that plate in front of him. And he just, he couldn't believe she did that. He couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I, I said to my mom afterwards, I said, I can't believe you did that. She said, well, you know something? I made sure first I looked at the plate to make sure it was the old plate that already had a crack before I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that was so typical, my mom. Oh, yeah. Because in those days, you didn't have much, you know. No. So wasting a plate like this was really a bad thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and now how often would he do this move where he would say, all right, I'm not ready to eat? Oh, as he got older, he did that a lot. All the time. He did that a lot, yeah, to the point where one time he ate the dog food. Then he would sleep, fall asleep in front of the TV and not wake up until about 11. And then, of course, he got hungry, and he would go and rummage the fridge, and my mother would always cook food for the dog. And so one time he ate the dog food. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> he didn't know it was dog he food. He didn't know. Well, she would get kind of, what do you call it, you know, bits from the butcher yeah. and cook it with oh, some okay. rice and vegetables. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. And the next day he said to her, I don't know what you cooked there, but it didn't have any spices at all. You need to put a little salt in there. She said, that was the dog food. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Serves him right, right? Serves him right, yes. <laughs> and so, but she would still, no matter what, have that meal ready. Oh, yeah. 
She would. Like around the same she time, would. because he'd come home around seven o'clock, right? Sure. So everybody knew it was dinner time. Everybody knew. <clears throat> All right. And so when he did come to the table, which was, seems like it was rare, did you guys talk as a family? What was the? Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. We talked as a family. Remember, we didn't have devices or anything like right. that. You no, know, we talked as a family. Yeah, we did. And how was he at dinner? Yeah. Was he? Would he ask how your day was going? Was he? Uh, not really. He wasn't really that interested in that. Yeah. He, you know, he would talk about his work, some of the stuff he did, but. Uh, as far as the kids were concerned, he wasn't really that interested. He was only interested at the end of the school year when we got our report cards. Yeah. And if they were bad, yeah. ooh, then, then, then we got it. Yeah, then like you were in you trouble. Better do, better do better next time. Yeah. All right. So go back to the, what was it? Who You were saying that after high school, mm-hmm. like I'm not paying for college, right? right. What did your What did your mom? Did your mom was all about you going to college? Or obviously, she didn't have a no, say. She didn't say anything. Nothing. She didn't say anything. No. That was just, yeah. You know, that was just the way it was. None of my friends did, and um, like he basically just said, "You are here for one reason. That's to be a wife, have babies, right? Yeah, and earn More money, earn some, money to, earn some money to contribute to the household. <clears throat> wow. So you know, as a girl in those days, you either became a secretary or a hairdresser. Yeah, that's <laughs> and uh, so I became a secretary. I worked at the courthouse for a couple of years, and um, my window looked right out over the approach line to the airport. And I kept following those planes every day. And I thought, God, one of these days, I want to be on one of these planes and get the heck out of this awful small town. I wasn't going to stay there. So uh, I was lucky that um, I had learned some English. We had our German teacher offered classes because at that time there weren't any foreign languages offered. And um, she offered English classes for the kids that were interested. And five of us, our class was 40 kids. Okay, there was baby boomers right after all the guys came home from, from the war. That's right. So five of us were interested in the English classes. We did the English. And uh, so I figured I had learned enough. And uh, I was going to go to England, either to England or to France or somewhere else as an au pair. That was the thing to do at the time. Yeah. If you did go abroad. Okay. What, what was it called? An au pair. Au pair. Au pair. Which, au pair. Is, which is basically a girl who works for a family taking care of their kids. You live uh. there. You have your room and board. You live there. And you go to language schools. And I was going to do that for England, and a friend of mine had gone the year before. She was a a year ahead of me, and um, she told me, she said, listen, it was horrible. I had an awful family. All they did was use me for cleaning the house and whatever. I didn't do that, so now I have a job at a hospital, and it's much better. So if you're interested, they have some openings. Why don't you come? Wow. So I went to my dad. I was about 18 and a half or so. Went to my dad and I said, look, this is what I want to do. He said, you're crazy. You're not going anywhere until you're 21. And uh, as long as you're under my roof, this is what you do. You go to work, you bring home your money, you're not going anywhere. Well, I kept nagging him. Well, he eventually gave in. And his parting words were, whatever you do, don't come home pregnant. And you're not getting a dime from me. That was it. That was it. What age was that? 19? 19. So you nagged him, like how often were you nagging him? Oh, like, all the time. He just finally got fed up with it and <laughs> he just said, okay, get out of here. 
And that was the parting word. It's not good luck. I love yeah, not you. Not good I luck. Support. I love you. Oh, no. Not good luck. I love you. Say, don't you dare come home pregnant. <laughs> that, that was, was it. it. That was it. And you're not getting a dime from me. <laughs> yep. That was it. Now, my, good- my mother, when I left, she gave me some money. Okay. Yeah. And every once in a while, I would get a letter from her with some money in it. Uh, but not from him. No way. So, no the, way. so your mom was all for this. She was excited. Oh, yeah. She was excited. She was excited that I was doing something different. So, And I this did. was, you went to where? England? I went to work in England. Okay. I worked at a hospital first. I went to school in the afternoon. And what did you, um, you do in the hospital? Basically, serving food to the patients, yeah. bringing the dishes back to the kitchen. You know, just sort of domestic. You probably work. loved it, right? To be out of it was just nice to be out of Germany, to be out of that small town, yeah. out of you know. I didn't. I, I looked at my other girlfriends. A lot of them got married when they were eighteen, and I thought, I'm not going that way. I'm not doing that. I'm not sitting there you know start having babies and doing all that kind of stuff no way i wanted i wanted an adventure yeah and uh yeah when i was a kid i read these books by an author called carl may and they were all adventure stories fabulous adventure stories and i just lived in those stories and that's what i was going to do yeah wow all right so you get to the hospital you're working there um take it from there like what happened next I worked there for a year until I my English was was perfect. After that, actually, when you're young, you know, it goes fast. You learn so much faster. Yeah, that's crazy. And <laughs> you're older. And then I ended up working for a lawyer in the West End of London. How did that happen? Um, you met him at the hospital. No, I didn't meet. I just looked in the paper. All the jobs were advertised in the Evening Standard. That was the name of the paper. You just look through the paper and you look for something and it said in there, okay, they need a secretary for German and English, for an international lawyer. And the person had to be 25. And at the time I was 20. And I thought, heck, not a good thing, right? So I called them anyway. And I said, listen, I'm applying for this job. I really would like to have this job. My English is perfect, my German, obviously. And uh, I said, I'm not 25. I'm 20, but I can do the same job a 25-year-old can. And you know, that's why they hired me? Yeah, I love that. (laughs) So I went in for the interview. And at the end, she said, okay, you got the job. But you know, we hired you because because you said that. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's amazing. So I got the job. Yeah, people buy confidence, right? Yeah. They do. They do. They really do. They follow confidence. They buy confidence. It's all about confidence. Yeah. 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 You competently told them, I can do the job of a 25-year-old. Uh-huh. And they said, okay. I did. We're buying into that. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. So how did that job go? Oh, that was great. It was a great job. I did that for about a year and a half. And then on the side, I was taking a few Spanish classes because I thought, okay, I've mastered my English. I want to go somewhere else. So I went to Spain. So I bought myself a train ticket, couldn't afford to fly. And um, I went to Spain. I went to Madrid. And um, Just, uh, did you, were you planning on moving there? Like, what was the plan? The plan was to work there and spend a year there and uh, learn the language. Wow, okay. So off I went. So you get there. Where do you I stay? I get there. I stay, stayed at a hostel first. Well, I say probably a hostel, yeah, yeah. I stayed at a hostel for a week. Looked around for a job, found a job with a German-Spanish transport company, and they needed somebody for a German correspondence, so got the job. I enrolled in Spanish classes at the university there, but 
that was still the time of Franco. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Spanish history. Franco was a dictator. Mm. Okay, they had the Spanish Revolution in when was it? 18, yeah, 1918, I'm, I'm no whatever, help. whatever. I'm you no know, help here whatever. Whatsoever. But the the whole revolution didn't really come out the way they wanted to. In the end, they had this guy Franco, and he became an absolute dictator. And uh, I think he finally died in the 70s. But at that time, it was still kind of touch and go. Although you didn't notice it in Madrid itself, but at the university you did, because students were striking, they were having protests and things like that. And uh, the university was closed quite often, and then tanks would be rolling up. Wow. And uh, I had quite a few friends from there at that time. Students were disappearing. It was really kind of a touchy situation, Oof. at least at the university. Yeah. The rest of the city, you didn't notice it. But, I mean, Spain was beautiful. I, I was there for six months, and it just didn't work out. No. So I went back to England. And so what, what, did you, um, what job did you get? Like, what, how did the job go? Uh, the job was kind of boring. Was boring. I okay. did German correspondence for yeah. this, you know, basically secretarial work. Yeah. Yeah. And so you went back to England. I went back to England and then I applied to work for airline for an airline as an airline hostess and I got that job. So so on an, uh, like a on an actual plane? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, give it to me. How did yeah. that go? Well, I worked as an airline hostess. What like, do you call it now? Flight attendant. Flight attendant. Right. Yeah. Stewardess, you call it. Stewardess. Sounded, Back then it was That sounded so much more glamorous. Yeah. It was stewardess. Stewardess. It was a glamorous job at the time. Yeah. It really was. It was nice. I loved it. And I got to travel. Because then you're on a plane all the time. Yeah. More or less. That's right? where you work. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you work. And in those days, you have more time. I mean, nowadays, I would hate to work on a plane because it's like a cattle car. You know, they squeeze yeah. people in. They, there's no dinner service anymore. Nothing, nothing like that. It was glamorous at the time. People dressed up to fly. If people went somewhere on a plane, they were dressed. Yeah, they dressed up. You know, it was a big thing. They were thing. polite. They were respectful. They were grateful to get a nice dinner. Yeah. Now it's yeah, like... It was a, very different. Now it's a cattle call. Oh, horrible. It's horrible. Horrible. I can't even fit in the seats. Yeah. The seats are small, tiny. Anyway. Yeah, I remember my very first flight was to New York. London to New York. That was so exciting. And I had three days in New York. There was another thing. You had actually sometimes a few days at the end of the trip, not just a quick turnaround, you yeah. know, so I could explore New York. Wow. That was so exciting. So your first trip was to My New York. My first trip was to New York. And so yeah. tell me about when you touched down. So now you're at about, what, 21, 22, maybe? Yeah, about, yeah, 20, 21. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. So 21. When, talk to me about when you first sat down in New York, when you went out in the city. Was it just... Oh, it, it was... Incredible. Went to Central Park. And I remember going to the movies. What was that movie? It was some love story where some guy was dying. It was with, what's her name? McCraw? What? Ali McCraw. Ali McCraw. Do you remember the movie? No, I'm it terrible some, with this. Well, it was a long time ago, yeah. too. Anyway, it was a big love story. And the whole crew, we all went to see it. And we all cried. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, don't remember, remember do you remember that. the name of it? I don't remember the name of the movie, no. And I'm not good with the old, and, like uh, really old school movies. Yeah. Because right now we're talking about, you're in a 1968 roughly at this point, right? Yeah. 1968, Nine. 69, 60, Yeah, roughly. 68, 69 roughly. Yeah, I'm doing the yeah. math here. Yeah, yeah, about that time. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Yes. And so, and love you, story. That that was the name of the movie. Was it named the love, love story? story? Yes, it was called Love Story. Oh wow! Yes, Love Heart. Story. Ali McCraw and could it be Ryan O'Neill? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. He was around yeah. then. Yeah, and he was dying, mm. and oh, it was such a tearjerker. And, and you'll never forget that. <laughs> never forget that because it was New York. <laughs> Did you go to the Empire State Building? The uh, no, we just kind of wandered around yeah. and looked at everything. I was just awed, you know. It was just so exciting to be in New York. Yeah. And then, so when you went back on the flight, did mm-hmm. you think like, oh, I want to go there someday at that point, or? No, not no. really. Okay. Not really. It was just exciting to you know be able to visit these places. And then along the way here, on mm-hmm. all these different jobs, you're about three different jobs now from from the age of. Uh, what was it? 16. 16 to 20, roughly 21. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you meeting any guys along the way that that caught your attention? Yeah, I had a few sort of boyfriends yeah. in London, but nothing really serious. Gotcha. Yeah. And so so how long were the, the the stewardess? Well, that was the thing. I didn't really want to ever get married until I was at least 30. Okay, that was wow. my that was my goal. 30? 30. That what, was my goal. I blew it. What point did you say that? Like, when did you start thinking, hey, I don't want to get married till 30? Every time I went back to Germany and I saw my, my girlfriends who got married at 18, had these kids running around, I thought, no way am I doing that. With, with, and they weren't, they didn't seem happy? Well, I guess they were happy, but they were just doing what was expected right. of them. They're going along with the program. They're going and, along with the program. Yep. You know, and I didn't want to do that. So, so you figured 30. That was my goal. That was your goal. As I said, I blew it. <laughs> so on one of my flights in to Seattle, I met Kat's dad. And he at the time was a pilot for Northwest Airlines. Okay. And we dated across the Atlantic. So that's how you met him. He was the pilot. That's how I met him. But I met him at the hotel swimming pool where we were staying. Ah, and so I blew it. I got married when I was... Hold on. You don't just go from there to being oh, married. Okay, okay. So what happened? Did he say, hey, what's going on? Did you approach him? Yeah, well, I kept changing my... F- trading my flights so I would have more Seattle flights because he was uh, based in Seattle at the time. Okay. And so All I All right, would, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right. So the first Faster. time... Yeah, you're, you're going too fast. <laughs> now we're in the, now it's some nitty-gritty stuff here. Okay. So you see him at the pool. That's uh-huh. the first time you ever saw him? That's or the you, first time or, I ever saw him. Or you heard him. about him? You saw no, him on no, the plane? No, it's the first time I ever saw him. No, okay. he was at the pool. Clearly you thought he was attractive. And, oh my God, he was so good looking. He yeah. really was. Tall, muscular, you know, what a body. I mean, this sort of the American image yes. that you have of, oh, yeah. of an American guy. That's right. Right? Yeah, that's All what right, he so looked like. So you see him, and did uh-huh. you ask about him? Like, who is that? No, he came over. I was reading. I was reading some dumb book. Some dumb book. And he comes over and says, "Oh, what are you reading?" And I didn't want to say what I was reading because it was really a stupid book. It was embarrassing. And <laughs> <laughs> and he started talking. Yeah. You know. So you noticed so, him, and then did you? Did, did, then no, he I guess he you? noticed me. I oh, guess he, he noticed me. I was lying in a lounge chair in a bikini, yeah. and he noticed me. And that's when he came over and asked me what I was reading. Did he know you were a, a stewardess at the time? Um, probably not. Probably not. No, probably not. And you didn't know he was a pilot at this point, right? No, I didn't either, because he was wearing a bathing suit. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. So he said, what book are you reading? And then what happened? Did he sit down and you guys talked? Yeah, he sat down and we talked for a while, you know, and, and uh, I don't know what, what we did the rest of the day. Maybe we went out to dinner or something. Anyway, he Maybe just, you don't remember this? No, I really don't remember. I don't. Stop. I really don't remember exactly what we did. <laughs> but I was just mesmerized with this guy. And then I went back on the flight and all the other girls, I mean, they saw me there with him. They said, oh, my gosh. They said, how did you hook that guy? Next time, they said, we're going to sit by that pool all day long so we can hook a guy like this. Yeah. Did they know he was a pilot at this point? <laughs> no, they didn't. Well, yeah, I must have told him. You told him, yeah. By that time, yeah. I found out, right? By that time, I found out. Were you shocked when he said, I'm a pilot? And then, not really, because it was a hotel close to the airport yeah. and a lot of crews stayed there. Right. You know, so not really. But... Um, but anyway, he sent me roses. So you got on the, you went England. back. I went back. And you kept in touch? And I kept Because there's no in cell touch. phones then. No, there were no cell phones or anything like that. I don't even know how he communicated. Yeah. Trying to think of that. And at this yeah. point, you're what, 20, 21? 22. 22. 22. And how, 23, old, was, how old was 23. he? He was 30 something. How, how, much, how much older is he than you? He's nine years older. Nine years old. Nine years okay. old. He was 33. He was 33. So I must have been about 24. 24. Okay. So yeah. 24. He's yeah, 33. 24. All right. Mm -hmm. now, and he wasn't married. He'd never been married at that point. No, no, he hadn't. And, uh, well, anyway, he kept, I don't know how he kept in touch. I think he, he called because we had a house phone. You did? You know, so he had to call the house phone yeah. where I lived. And, and, and uh, so that point, did you? start signing up for more Seattle trips? Yes, and I kept signing up for more Seattle trips. And so we would meet in Seattle every once in a while. And I, I remember one time he had a he had a small plane, a small one-engine plane, and he took me over to the San Juan Islands for the day. And it was a beautiful day in July. You know how beautiful it can be in yeah. Seattle? Yeah. I had no idea that the Puget Sound is that friggin' cold. It's freezing. It looked beautiful the water looked pristine and he didn't say anything and and i jump into that water i just about had a heart attack it is so cold up there unreal anyway <laughs> that's so funny i he remember that he didn't he didn't tell you <laughs> he didn't tell was me he laughing? He it was funny <laughs> <laughs> did he jump in too no of course he didn't he didn't <laughs> oh my gosh yeah hilarious yeah, all right, so, so all right, so keep going. So anyway, we kept we kept sort of dating across the Atlantic, and uh, for probably about six months or so, and then he convinced me to come over. Mm. Okay, so and it was just too fast. All right, this so is I, like six months. Yeah, you know, okay. and I didn't really know him. He said, "Move I mean, here." I felt like I knew him, but I didn't right. really know him that well. Well, you know what it's like, you just date like this and yeah, you, you go out once in a while you only see him days for here. a couple of days here and there and so anyway i thought well if if i'm going to make anything of this i better get to know him better so i quit my job and i came over and at that time yeah he was still in seattle and um anyway i i was there in seattle while he was flying and um, so you moved in with him i moved in with him okay and, oh, I was head over heels in love with him. Of course. And eventually, I think I must have moved in in, I think, September. And then we got married in December. 
Okay. So you moved in in September. Uh-huh. And we got married in December. Married in December. Much too fast. Much too fast. You know, and I... In retrospect, looking in back. In retrospect, looking yeah, at back. At the time, you were just la-la. At the time, I was just in la-la land. Yeah, la-la you know, land. I was in la-la land. And yeah. how, now when you... Okay, keep going. So... But when you got married, now you're all of a sudden, I don't even know how this works, actually. Are you a U.S. citizen at that point? No. Then I had to apply for a permanent citizenship because mm. I was on a crew visa. Gotcha. Which was really not legal for me to stay in the country. I would essentially have had to go back to London and apply through the embassy from there. But somehow they let me do it from Seattle. So it was a little complicated. You know, and he had to vouch for me and that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, so I got a green card. And so he talked you into marrying him. He talked me into marrying him. Yes. My parents were totally out of it because I didn't tell them. Well, I told them them after I got married. I said, by the way, I got married. (laughs) What did your mom say? Well, they were shocked. They were shocked. Now, did you tell them, did you tell your mom that you are seeing this pilot? Um, no. You never even told her that? I never told her that either. I said, Why not? I have this friend over there who lives in the States, and I met that person. You know, I said, she, not he. Oh, jeez. And well, she told me much later. She said, well, you know, that friend you had there, that always sounded a little fishy to me. And we were wondering what the heck was going on, really. So I didn't really tell her until I got married. And, and they were shocked. And you never told your dad anything? Until you got married? Not really. No. No. Uh, okay. So now, um, all right. So how, as soon as you got married, mm-hmm. how did it go from there? It went okay, but there were a few indicators. A couple of red flags popping up. A couple of red flags that I should have heeded, really. Yeah. And I didn't. Prior to getting married. Yeah, I think it was still prior to getting married. Mm. You know, I remember one time a friend of his and a colleague of his called me while he was traveling and asked me for some kind of a manual that he wanted to borrow. And I said, well, why don't you come by and pick it up? It's here. So this guy came by and uh, I mean, I don't just give it to him at the door, right? I said, well, come on in, have a cup of coffee, right? And I sat there with him for probably half an hour. We chatted for a while and he took the manual and went. And that was that. And when... um, he came back from his flight. I had forgotten about it because he, he was usually gone for about a week or sometimes longer. I'd forgotten about it. And after a few days, I remembered that this guy had come by borrowing the manual and I told him. And my gosh, he just flew off the handle and said, how can you let a strange man in here? And this guy's known to be after women all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, he put on this great big show and I said, for God's sakes, you know, I didn't do anything. I, you don't just hand somebody something at the door i mean i had met the guy before through him yeah and uh, you know i didn't think anything of it and that should have told me mm. at that point yeah and i did actually after a few days i said to him listen i'm gonna pack my bag i'm going back to london and so he broke down crying and he said look it'll never happen again terribly sorry you know i shouldn't have reacted this way and so on and so on and so on you know, and you always think, okay, these things will blow over. Right. People change. You know, mm. they don't. No, they, they don't. don't. No, they don't. That no. really was a big red flag. That was before you got married. Yes, and I got married anyway mm. because I figured, okay. 
El Bifo. Did he have another blow up of some sort before the wedding? Yeah, there were no, but the <clears throat> but after we got married, there were a lot of these things happening. You know, he would he would call me in the middle of the night from somewhere, and I always thought it, at the time, oh, how sweet of him to call because of the time difference. Yes. You know, and he would then say, "Oh, I just remember, yeah, it's, it's in the middle of the night where you are," but you know, just saying hello. He didn't just say hello. He was checking on me. Yeah, he was checking up on you. He was checking up on me. I I I have one girlfriend in San Diego, and I used to go see her. And he would call me there if he were home. He would call me there and say, oh, I know you're at your girlfriend's right now. On the way home, why don't you go by Home Depot and get such and such and such? He would do this every time, mm, checking on me. Just to check on you, yeah. And he had no reason for it. You know, so. And, and at this point, though, you were in, still in Seattle, right? No, at this point, sorry. At this point, we were in San Diego. Oh, you were? Yeah, we were only in Seattle for a couple of years. And then... Gotcha. We moved to San Diego. His mother lived in San Diego, he, and he grew up in Julian. Oh, he did? Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, his whole family is kind of a dysfunctional family, really. Um, but he grew up in Julian. Gotcha. So we came down here on a trip to visit his mother, and uh, I loved it down here. And I said, you know, how about moving here? Because for him, it didn't really matter. He was stationed in um, Minneapolis, so it really right. didn't matter where he lived. Yeah. And anyway, we found a place here, bought it, and moved to San Diego. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Okay, so then, but then when he would leave, he would be always checking up. He would be always checking up on me. Yeah. It was and so when he was here, though, when you were together, uh -huh. how was that? It was great. We would have a good time together. And then... No other red flags, like when no, you were... No, no, not really, not at the beginning, it, but gradually that sort of increased these kind of incidences, you know, and once, and then of course I, I started having kids and uh, I was busy. And then, so the relationship there, you, you stayed home with the kids? Mm -hmm. I stayed home with the kids. Yeah. And, and did you guys plan that? Like say, okay, here's the plan. Yeah, we I was asked this from every. Yeah, every, we kind of plan to have like, to have like, kids. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna work with the airlines. You're gonna stay home with mm -hmm, the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we planned on that. Yeah, and uh, besides, the house we had was, was a big house, so I had a lot to take care of. Yeah. And I didn't have a gardener. I didn't have a pool person. I didn't have a house cleaner. You yeah. know, I was busy, busy, busy. Oh yeah, it's a full time. Yeah, it's a full time and job and some. three kids and then some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even one kid is huge, but two is crazy. Three is almost yeah. out of control. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know what Rachel with two kids, it's nonstop twelve it's hours non -stop. a day. It's nonstop. Yeah, it's twelve non -stop. hours a day. Yeah, but I, three kids is mm -hmm. another level. Yeah, I just thought, my gosh, I have my hands in diapers twenty four seven. And so, who who is your first child? I don't know uh, if it was the, the Brandon. Brown. I don't okay. know if you met Cat's Cat's brothers. Brandon uh, is the first. I met at least one of them. Okay, I know he that. was born in seventy four, and then Brian in seventy five. Brian, I've met for sure. Okay. I think I met the other one as well, but I, I'm drawn uh -huh. He's in L.A. The okay, oldest one it. is in L.A. Brian's in Carlsbad. Okay. And then Kat came along in 81. That's right, 81. 81. He's exactly 10 years behind yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 81. All right, so tell me about raising the kids. Give me some, uh, what was your, so what did you learn from your parents that you then took into what you did as a mom with your kids? Basically just that you're always there for them. Yep. You know, that you help them the way my mother did. And uh, Quinn was a very good father. I have to say he was not like my dad. 
He spent a lot of time with him, with them when he was home. He was always there for his kids. He really was a very good dad. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Good. He was. And so along the way, uh-huh. your relationship with him, always solid, started to part a little bit. Yeah, it was sort of... A little all over the I place. I like your emotion all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> all over the place. You know, the good thing was that he was gone for a while. Ah, that actually, that actually helped. And then I could kind of relax. And then he would come back and try to take over everything, which was really difficult because I was taking care of everything, the finances, whatever had to be taken care of. I did all that. And then he would come home and wanted me to be the demure wife and just say, yes, sir. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. That's interesting because yeah, that's interesting because that happens a lot with relationships yeah. where the guy will be gone on trips uh-huh. for work, right? Right? Yeah. And you're running everything. That's it. You're running everything, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to drop everything. Well, it doesn't work. Or, or doesn't yeah, work or, or let him run things the way he wants to run uh-huh. them. Which at that point it's like, wait a minute, we got a flow going here. Yeah. <laughs> right. And exactly. the kids too. Yes. Kids, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yes. What's going on here? Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so then what, uh, how, how long did you, because I know you guys got divorced, but how long did you guys, like, what was the final straw? Oh, the final straw was that it was getting, it just was, his checking on me was getting worse and worse. Oh, really? Back in the 80s, for example, once the kids were all in school, I, or maybe it was later, it must have been later than that, 90s, uh, I wanted to go work in real estate, and it was doing a time in the real estate market was doing really well. Because what's the point in being home? The kids were in school, right? Right. Couldn't do that. Wasn't allowed to do that. Wasn't allowed to work. And so um, later in going forward, I think 96 or something like that, I always wanted to go to college, right, that my dad wouldn't let me do. And Quint wouldn't let me do Hmm. because I went back to school and I decided I'm going to get my bachelor's degree, and I'm going to get a master's. Come hell or high water, that's what I'm going to do. He wouldn't, he wouldn't go for it. He didn't want to pay for it. At that time, my mother was still alive. I got some money from her, and I did it. And because that was then also when he was retired, and, and having him home 24-7 just didn't work. <laughs> it dro- he drove me nuts. He totally drove me crazy. <laughs> and so my home in those days was San Diego State. And I thank God for San Diego State because it kept my sanity, because I kept telling myself, okay, I can go to a bar every day and get drunk and forget about all this, or I can put some effort into it and learn something from it and reap some benefits from it. So I went to school. I love this. Now, I also been testing you to see if you would let me brush by the boat story. Okay. No. And you let me brush by it. You did. You did. Sorry. I went, I went I, too far forward. I wanted to see if you were going <laughs> to. No, no. I went too far forward. I no, went no, no. Too far forward. I led okay. you there. I led yes, you forward. You did. That was me, but I was also testing you. Okay. All right. Now get. Let's backtrack. Now let's. Okay. So we're going to, but we're going to pick back up on the college thing. Okay. We're going to pick back up on that. Don't worry. I'll bring Okay. It, but that was I'll, later. I'll bring this back. Right. We're going now back to early San Diego days because I'm right. assuming this is where the boat came in. Yes. The boat came in. All right. Hold on. So you get here to San Diego. How long were you here? Uh huh. Because you started having kids here. So right. obviously, Cat. So obviously, this was in the 80s. Yes. The boat thing. Yeah. All right. So. 
take me to this boat thing. Like where, okay. why, how does a boat come into effect? Okay, in in nineteen, let me think. It would have been eighty five. Okay, eighty five, eighty six yeah. or so. Cat's like four or five years old. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Quint retired. Okay. He had he had a medical where he hit his 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 head on a crew bus. Anyway, he had his his right arm would go numb every once in a while, and they wouldn't give him his license, and so they retired him. And he was at that point maybe forty eight. Wow. Something like that. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this guy home 24-7. We're going to kill each other. It's not going to work. And then we had these friends, and they had always been into boating. And they had invited us a couple times over to Catalina on their boat, and one time down to Cabo. And um, we were on their boat in Catalina, and they are talking about going cruising, taking the kids out of school, going cruising for a few years, going down the coast, going to the Caribbean, whatever. And then our friend says to Quint, why don't you do that? You're retired. Come with us. Get a boat. Do it. And that thought really caught with me. And I thought, what an adventure that would be. That would be fantastic. You know, and, and Quint is a very capable guy. He really yeah. is a very smart guy. He just has a mental yeah. problem, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> overall, he's a very capable yeah. guy. He can yeah. fix just about anything. He's very capable with everything and having been a pilot. Boat. Yeah. You know, he knows, he knows uh, a lot about navigation. He knows a lot about mechanics. He knows a lot about the weather and all that kind of thing. The only thing he doesn't know is how to sail a boat. Right. All right. Okay. Small aspect of Yeah, just a small <laughs> detail. Small detail. So we started talking about it, and he just kept hemming and hawing. And, I mean, he's, he's really not an adventurous guy. He's more of a, you know, do the same thing every day kind of thing. Yeah. And I just got really hooked with that idea, and I kept pushing it. And then... Um, we were with our friends again, and we talked about it again. He said, listen, we're leaving in March, okay? And that must have been in the fall. And why don't you think about it? Get a boat. Do it. You can lease out your house, you know? And uh, Quinn says, well, I don't know, I don't know. And then our friend said to him, well, I know you. You would never do something like that anyway. You don't have the guts. Oh, here we go. You don't say that to a guy, right? Yeah. And that really irked him. So after that, we started looking for boats. And uh, we found this boat at a marina in Long Beach. And this is where the Yankee Clipper comes in. Okay, it's a 46-foot Fisher motor sailor. And uh, named the Yankee Clipper. And the reason it's named the Yankee Clipper is because it was owned by Pete Conrad, who was an astronaut who was on Apollo 12 and he was the third man to walk on the moon. Wow. And he had a party boat and that's what it was. You know, we the were Yankee talking Clipper. about that earlier yeah, yeah. about how most boats just sit at marinas. Yes. And they get used as party boats. That's what that boat that's was. That's what it was. It was a cocktail boat. Okay. But it was beautiful. It had everything we wanted on it. It had two radars on it because he was working for Raytheon at the time, testing things. Yeah. So he got all these electronics. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, we bought the boat and outfitted it, brought it down to San Diego, outfitted it. 
found a guy at the um, yacht brokerage in San Diego who was an avid sailor, and uh, he said, okay, he would come with us as far as Cabo San Lucas to show us the ropes, because we really didn't know how to sell a boat. And, but this was a motor sail, sailor. Right, yeah. It had, most sailboats have about a 50-horsepower engine in it. This one had 120 Ford Lehman big yeah. engine. Okay, and we figured if the sailing bit didn't work out, we can always turn on the iron horse, right? Yeah. Yep. So that was the idea. Love it. And uh, we outfitted the boat. We leased out the house. Now, hold on, hold on. Did you run this by the kids at all? No, we just told them we're going on an adventure. You just told them you're going on adventure. So they're all in school at this point. They're all in school. I talked to the teachers, and um, then I researched homeschooling. Okay? Okay. There is a um, homeschooling organization that has been around forever. It's called Culvert School. It comes out of Baltimore, Massachusetts. And they used to do the homeschooling kids for homesteaders out in the countryside long time ago yep. when there were no schools out there. And they're still doing, I think they're still doing that now. You bought the school year, it came in a box, okay? Box about that big, had everything in it. Manual for the teacher, every book you needed, every text you needed, down to the ruler, eraser, pen, everything. Everything came in the box. And then you could subscribe to a teacher and you would send in the tests and she would give you feedback and send it back to you. And that way it got accredited. Ah, okay. okay. So we thought, well, that's simple. I mean, I wasn't a teacher, but the manual was really, it listed everything you had to do every right. day. Right, easy. It was really easy. Okay. So... That's what I what we subscribed to. We bought that. It was very difficult at the time because that was before internet. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that was really tricky because you had to rely on the post office, and uh, so we had to plan ahead. Like if we wanted to send in some tests or get something back, we had to plan ahead. Okay, we're going to be at such and such a place at such and such a time in order to pick it up, and you have it usually just sent to the post office. So okay. it was difficult, but so, we actually always got that. Yeah, I can't believe this. So what? Yeah. So the kids. So the kids. We just told the did kids. Did they say for how long? The kids were excited. No, we didn't know for yeah, how long. Excited, huh? We didn't know for how long. We said, "Well, let's go for a few years. You know, we'll see. However long it takes." All right. So. <laughs> all right. This is nuts. I can't get over <laughs> this. And it wasn't just that. Brandon's best friend came along. His uh, parents were getting a divorce at the time. And they thought it would be really exciting for their son to come along. So we took that kid, too. So I had four kids. Four kids? Four kids. And so you just heave-ho off the thing here? Off we went. Off you went. And that this other guy was helping you get to Cabo. He was helping us. I remember we got as far as Ensenada when the whole battery pack burned up because they had wired something wrong at the <sighs> marina and we had to go back. Oh, no, we didn't go back. We didn't go back. Quinn drove up with a guy. He drove up. They rented a car and they drove up to San Diego to get the parts and fix it. So that you, was you the first at, mishap. You didn't, th you didn't think this was a sign? Well, it was like kind right of, yeah. A that sign that, that, maybe we that do is this? really when we found out that that boat had been a party boat yeah. and had not really been out 
sailing. You know, if you have a boat yeah. and you don't use it, you just use it as a party boat, everything breaks down. Everything breaks yeah, down. Yeah, when you actually have when to you sail actually it. have to sail it, you realize then that oh my gosh, there's so many flaws in that thing. So we spend a lot of time the first year fixing things that broke down, and uh, it was a very steep learning curve. <laughs> and so, are you now sailing at night? Like, well, you have to. You're on the ocean. You're on the ocean. You can't at night. You know, people have these funny questions. Okay, yeah. So you talk to them about sailing, and they say, "Well, what do you do at night?" I say, "Well, you you take shifts." Okay, you take shifts because you have to check the radar. You have to look around, make sure everything is working right. You can't just go to bed and sail off into the blue yonder. You might hit a freighter. You might something might go wrong. You have to, somebody has to be up. And people say, "Well, why don't you just put the anchor out, an anchor for the night?" An anchor. I said, "But it's thousands of feet deep. You don't have that much anchor chain." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people look at you. Oh, okay. Oh, and if you would put an anchor out, then the boat would just go down like this, pull it down. I said, no, 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 yeah, it doesn't yeah. work that way. <laughs> but people have no idea. That's why, yeah, this is why yeah, I'm people have no idea. That's why this is so pertinent and people need yeah. to know this. Yes. And the nice thing on this boat was what it about had... storms? Did you hit any storms? We did. But the boat had a, a, a closed in, it had a cabin on top, a cockpit that was enclosed. Okay. okay. It had an open one in the back, yep. but it also had an enclosed one. And there was a steering wheel on the outside on the back yep. and one on the inside. Okay. And the rule was, as soon as it got dark, the kids were not to go outside. They were to stay inside because I didn't want to lose anybody overboard. And so the kids were very good about that. We would close that door into the cockpit and no kid would go outside. And if any of the adults would go outside at night, you were always harnessed on. So if you would fall overboard, you'd be dragging along. Be dragging along. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So that was a rule. All right. So like, what do you do for how many hours at a time? Like four kids, mm -hmm. what are they doing? Like for 10, 12 hours well, inside you, a boat. You weren't on the boat all that much. I mean, you, we were on the boat going from A to B okay. and sometimes overnight. What's the longest okay. ride? The longest ride, maybe three nights. Okay, so for three nights. You see, we didn't go across an ocean, you know, so we weren't like if you would go we across the, the Pacific, the you'd, yeah. you'd be out there for 25 days. You know, we didn't do that. We did mostly coastal cruising. So sometimes you didn't have an anchorage and you were out there for two nights maybe or three. And then we would find a beautiful bay and he, we would anchor You'd and anchor. anchor and spend a week there if you felt like it, if it was pretty. And what, so when you'd anchored, would you take a, did you have a mini, like a, what was it, dinghy? Did you take yeah, it to yeah, shore? Yeah, you have to have a dinghy. It's like your car. Yeah, you, you know, take you have that to, to have shore. a dinghy. You take it to shore. And, um, but what are you doing on the boat for three days? Like, what are kids oh, doing oh, for three days? Oh, the whole ocean is their playground. You mean when we were on yeah, the way? Yeah. Oh, they would play games, entertain themselves, sit up front, watch the dolphins. You know, we, on the bow, we had this bow spread, and they would sit up there with a, with a pole between their legs so they wouldn't fall off and just hang on the rail and watch the dolphins. You know, you have so many dolphins many and, and they crisscross. Oh, really? Two bathrooms. Two bathrooms. Two bathrooms. Oh, here's a funny story about Give bathrooms. Okay. Yeah. One of the bathrooms was the kids' That's bathroom. That's a nightmare in itself for me. And, you know, boys. Yes. On a moving boat. Yeah. Right? I told them, okay, guys, you have to sit down. It's the only way you can do it because we don't want to have pee all over the place. Oh, all right? Oh, gosh. Of course, they didn't. 
And I got tired of cleaning after them. I said, wait a minute, this isn't going to work. You guys are going to have toilet duty, all right? Tuesday is you, Wednesday is you, and so on. Got everybody toilet duty. Then they would sit there and watch the other guy go to the bathroom and say, you didn't sit down. You have to clean the bathroom. So they would watch each other. They would monitor each other. <laughs> so they would make sure to sit down so they wouldn't pee all over the place. <laughs> now, it, it, this is like, and, and there's a shower in there too? Yeah. Shower in there too, but we mostly showered out on Did deck. anybody ever get seasick? Yeah, Quinn did. Quinn did? Uh-huh. All the time? Uh, at the beginning, all the time. Did. He didn't find out that he got seasick until he started this cruise. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not good. No. Because he's supposed to be the, the captain. I know, I know. And here he was throwing up. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than seasick. Well, he got used to it. He finally got his sea legs. But, you know, at the beginning, after we had been at anchor for a while, and then he, we would take off again, he would always, the first day he would always get seasick. But the kids didn't. The kids never did. You know, the kids were like fish in the water. The they ocean was their playground. They would go out boogie boarding. And then we got a, um, what do you call those sail thingies? Jeez. Um, oh, uh, um, talking about like on a surfboard? Yeah, surfboard, you know, with a... Um, what do you call them? Paris, not a parasail. No. no, what do you call that thing? I don't know. Anyway, you stand on it with a sail. I yeah. can't think of the word right now. They did that. They did. They swam. We would anchor, and I would just say, "Go swim to the beach," and they would just go out there swimming. And so, how long were you on this boat? Like for like meaning total on your your adventure? About four years. Four years. Four years. Four years. Yeah, four years. And where did you go? Like what places well, did we you went visit? down? To Cabo first, and um, you know, then hung around there for a while, and then slowly went down the coast of Mexico, found nice base, spent time there. Four years is like an eternity. Seems that, like it. Yes, wasn't time. Now, like, how far did you go? Like, did you just keep going to the same yeah, places and then over we went, and over? We went through the Panama Canal, which was an incredible experience. Were you ever in, like, did you ever get, come close to getting hit by a ship or anything? No, we were no? careful. You were careful? We were careful, yeah. Now the storms, what was the worst storm Sto- that you went? The worst storm we ever went through was, um, <clears throat> we, ha- we had gotten delayed in Costa Rica, okay? Because, as I said before, the boat was a party boat. It had carpeting in it. Oh, yeah. Which works at a marina but not out on the ocean. No. Because with the salt air, the stuff never dries. It gets smelly. It's horrible. So we ripped all that stuff out, and we had them put um, some kind of a Costa Rican hardwood. I forgot which. It looks like teak, but it isn't teak. It's a hardwood. It was that thick. And um, we had them do the whole flooring in the boat and rip that damn carpet out because underneath it was only plywood. So we did that, and we were there in Costa Rica for about six weeks. We had rented a little beach cabin. It was fun, actually, and did some exploring around there while they worked on the boat. And But because of that, we didn't go through the Panama Canal until probably, I would say, June, Yeah, which is not a good time then to go into the Caribbean because uh, hurricane season starts the 1st of June. Okay, So we're in hurricane season when, A, the weather is unpredictable, it's a lot more windy, you have rougher seas, and you always have a chance of a hurricane. Uh, so we were going 
to the island of San Andres. There's San Andres and Providencia, which are two islands that are actually off the coast of uh, Nicaragua in on the Caribbean side. Uh, but they belong to Colombia, but they're 600 miles away from Colombia, from South America. Beautiful islands. And we came into one of those islands, and it was on the way to San Andres that the weather was just awful. It wasn't really a storm. It was just hurricane season weather. You know, huge seas all over the place. And I was on night watch. These things always happen at night. And all of a sudden, I notice I have no steering. Absolutely no steering. And the waves are coming at me, and I have no steering. So I woke up Quinn right away, and he, as I said, he was a very capable guy. He pulled up the floorboards, and it, it, it was the kind of steering that was connected by mechanical links. Yeah. You know, and a couple of the links had broken. And so the emergency steering was in the back under our bunk. So we threw the mattresses up, and I was down there with the emergency steering, and we had the kits lined up all the sta- on the stairs all the way down from the cockpit down to, to the back bunk where I was with the emergency steering, telling me the compass readings. <laughs> so I would know, because I couldn't see anything down there, so I would know which way to steer. Well, Quint was trying to figure out which links were broken and fix it. It was a nightmare. Oh it was God. just a nightmare because the waves were coming all over the place. I mean, it was just a good thing that the boat, a fisher motor sailor, is built like a tank. Okay, it can handle a lot. And it did. And anyway, he fixed it. Thank goodness. How long did it take him to fix it? Uh, it seemed like forever. Probably wasn't. But, you know, it was, it was pretty scary. It was very scary. Were you guys shouting and screaming? Were you losing your mind? No, no. no. I was down there holding that emergency steering. The kids were shouting me the compass readings. They were very good about that. They stood there, they stood there like little soldiers, and, uh, and he was frantically trying to fix that thing. It's pitch black out right pitch now. Pitch black out. You, you, know. Can't, you don't know where land is. Uh-huh. Is land on the radar? No, like, can you, no, no. Well, we were way out there. We were way out in the ocean. No land inside, and it doesn't really matter. Anyway, it's a good thing there is no land, because at least you're not hitting anything. Right. You know, but the waves were huge. They were going over the cockpit. Over the cockpit. Uh-huh. Oh. It, it, was, it was pretty bad. You were getting bad. tossed all over the place. We were getting tossed like a cork. Yeah. It was, it was, it was scary. Oh, my gosh. It was very I'm scary. I'm, like, nervous talking about this. Oh, it was very scary. I still remember that. It was very scary. That was the worst one? And that was the worst one. And then it happened one more time. Same thing. But at Same that point... Same thing with the steering? Yeah. At that point, we knew exactly where to look and what to do. You know, the first one was a bit of a surprise. We weren't quite sure how all this stuff worked. So, so for four years, mm-hmm. you just went up and down the coast? No. We went, we went down the coast of Mexico, Central America, and then through the Panama Canal. Yep. Then we came up, um, we went partially down toward um, the San Blas Islands, which are south of the Panama Canal on the Caribbean side. Then we came up Belize to, to Belize. And well, first we came to the Bay Islands, Roatan, I don't know if you heard of these, uh, north of Honduras. Okay. Okay, beautiful islands. They're known for, for their diving. And... Um, then we came up to Isla Mujeres on the Mexican Yucatan Peninsula. 
stayed there for a while, and then we went over to Key West. And um, wow. then we went up the East Coast to as far as Charleston and um, hung out there for a while. And then we, had, we went back to Florida, had the boat, had the bottom repainted. You know, you something yeah. you have to do in a boat all the time to yeah. clean the bottom off barnacles and all that kind of jazz and put new paint on it. And then we went down the Caribbean. And at that point, my mother came. And she was with us. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and the other kid I was talking about, the friend of Brandon's, he actually went home from the Panama Canal because he got seasick all the time. Oh, too. he did? Yeah. So he flew back home. He flew back he home. He couldn't handle He couldn't hang. No. And then my, my mother, I talked my mother into coming and she actually did. And she was at that time, I think, 68, 68. Yeah. How and long her, was she with you? Um, for almost... Eight months. Wow. Yeah. And all her friends said, you're nuts. At your age, you're just going to drown. She said, well, if I drown, I drown my, with my kids. So what? My dad had passed away at that point. And so she said, you know, I don't care. I'll come with you guys. She did. She couldn't even swim. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so what? what's the relationship with you and Quinn at this, like, during this whole trip? Are you getting along? Was it great? Well, it was the same as always. You know, we got along for a while. And then, then he... He would just do one of his things again, and uh, yeah, but not while you're on the. How's he going to do his thing when you're uh, sailing on a boat? He was still a pain in the neck. Our relationship was sort of on and off all the yeah, time. All you the know, time. It, it just it was a lot better than I think it would have been at home, because at least he had things to do. Right, and there was always something he had to fix. Yeah, that's true. Always, yeah. Things always broke, breaking down on a boat, so you know, so that really helped. Yeah. And at what point did you say, okay, that's it. That's a wrap. Let's go back home. Like, um, actually we, so did any of the kids want to bail out earlier. Yeah, so, so we went all the way down the Caribbean Island chain, which was gorgeous. Yeah. And then we hung around Venezuela for probably about a year during the hurricane season, because Venezuela is far enough South that you don't have to worry about hurricanes. Okay. So we hung out in Venezuela and at that time, Venezuela was different from now. Right. And it was beautiful. And, oh, I remember one time I got so fed up with Quint that I took off for two weeks with my mother, rented a car. Well, I flew to Caracas, and then I rented a car and drove all around Venezuela with her. That was quite an adventure. So, so you left the kids with them? <laughs> yeah, left the kids with them. Told them I'd be back in a couple of weeks. Left the kids with them. I just couldn't take it anymore. What, what did he do? You know, I don't even remember. It's, yeah. it, it's just he, he, he would do these annoying things that would just drive me crazy. <sighs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, like, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to process this. Because like, you're so close to each other on a boat. You have nowhere to go. Well, that's it. You know, so, so sometimes. It's a recipe it's, for disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is still a ball in one in Los Rockets in one of the anchorages that I had thrown after him and it went overboard. <laughs> yeah, so it's like mad. like if you're wanting space, like from um, each other. Well, if you wanted space, you just jumped over the side. Right. You know, I'm just you, saying. Or you took the dinghy. The dinghy. Yeah. The kids were really good with the dinghy. Oh, so he was cut. All right. And she was and cat at this point is like five, six, yeah, seven. Yeah, but she loved riding in the dinghy. So when the kids rode in the dinghy, well, everybody, when when you rode in the dinghy, you had a safety switch, which is sort of a, a little plastic 
chain that is on the on the handle right. that goes to your wrist. So if you fall overboard, it pulls the plug. Yep. Okay, so you don't run away yourself. And the kids had to wear that, and they were very good about that. And Kat wanted to run the dinghy by herself. So we would tell her, okay, you can do it, but you go slow. And then she would start off slow on the one side where we could see her, and then she would go to the other side of the boat, and you could hear the engine go, you know, and there she would go and fly because she thought we couldn't see her on the other side. That was Kat. Oh, my gosh. And then her and Brian were fighting a lot. Well, fighting, teasing each other. They each had their stuffed animals. And so they would tease each other by hanging their stuffed animals on top of the mast. They would tie it on the halyard and pull it up. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one would look, you know, Brian looking for his bear bee. He had his bear bee, looking for his bear bee. And it was hanging up there. So he would go and grab her dog. She had those two little stuffed dogs. And he he would hang her dogs up on top of the mast. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. But the the kids had a blast. They would play Monopoly. They would invent puppet shows and invite other kids from other boats over, and then they would have a puppet show. Or we did art classes. We we painted T-shirts at one point. And um, or to go back to schooling, to show you what the school system is like, yeah. we did school usually two to three hours. Okay, We had breakfast in the morning, and then we did school two to three hours, and we were done for the day. And we did it all week, Sunday, Saturday too. So if we were out and it was stormy and you couldn't really sit there and do school, then we could take a few days off, okay? But when the kids came back to San Diego and had to take their tests, they were all ahead of their peers. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Which goes to show that the education system sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. It really does. It's it's mostly babysitting. It is. Totally. Babysitting, yeah. programming, you know, we're not gonna we go down this for yeah, a while. We don't wanna go Yeah. It's, you it's, know it's, yeah, it's, but yeah, they absolutely didn't miss anything. The only thing they missed out on is sports, I suppose. They could have done some sports mm, in school. That's true, yeah. You know. Yeah. They didn't do that. So looking back, that experience, what would you say the impact that had on your life, on the kids' lives? What kind of impact did it make? What do you think everybody took from that? Well, um, the impact on the kids really was, A, they grew very close together. They are still, to this day, they are so close. If somebody has a problem, the other two are there. Okay, It taught them self-sufficiency, mm. that they had to do things on their own, that when you're out on the ocean, you can't just say, come help me, I can't do this. You have to do it. You have to get through it. And it taught him that, that you don't give up. Mm. I love and that. I think that's a great lesson. Oh, yeah. You know, you start something, you have to finish it. You can't just sit in the middle of the ocean and say, well, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. You have to get through it. And if you have a difficult situation, like the situation with the steering, you hang in there. Yeah. You don't go and hide in a corner and cry. It doesn't, it doesn't help you. Okay, you have to get through it. And people always ask me, what's it like to go through a storm? <laughs> and I equate it with having a baby. All right? Now, you, you won't be able to no. follow me on that. But if you're in the middle of childbirth, all right, and 
there were times when I really didn't want to do that. You, yeah, you get done. you get to that point yeah. where you say, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And you know you have to. You have okay? to. And it's like that. It's like going through childbirth. You go through a storm and you swear to yourself, I will never do this again. All right. And you do the same when you're having a baby. Say, this is it. I'm not doing this again. And then afterwards, oh, you look back and, you know, I can do this. It wasn't that difficult. Yeah. So what? I can do this again. Yeah, Same it's, thing. It's, uh, <laughs> I love this, the, 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 the analogy for life, because life, we actually have options sometimes to not go forward mm-hmm. or bail mm-hmm. or because there's, you can go places, you can do things, but on a boat, you don't have a choice. No, you don't have a choice. You do not have a choice other than to face the situation. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. You have to fix it. You have to fix it. Otherwise, you're done. You're, you're, you're exactly. going under. Exactly. You're literally going to go under. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it. And if everybody had that attitude in life, which, you know, nowadays it's just getting, we're getting more and more soft mm-hmm. as time goes mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're being taught to be just softer and softer. Exactly. Rather than facing the music, exactly. making it happen, and don't give up. Yeah. It's just, just like kids at school. If they don't do well, well, they should repeat the year. Oh, no, we can't do this because it hurts them psychologically and all this kind of rubbish, you know. That is so wrong because it just tells you you can be mediocre. Right. You know, you don't really have to put an effort into anything. Yeah, it's exactly right. And I think, I think that that is a lesson that uh, the kids learn from the boat. And also that you have to stick together. You have to, you have to be there for each other. Yeah, so the boat was one big, uh, one big learning lesson. It really one was. One big yeah. camp yeah. of growth mm-hmm. it was yeah because that's it's kind of what the military is like you learn attention to detail you have to rely on your comrade mm-hmm. you got to mm-hmm. make stuff happen yeah there's a chain of command mm-hmm. you know when you're at sea someone's in charge mm-hmm. right yes they can't really be um mouthing off or not obeying yeah. on the on the on the ocean right 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 they have to pay attention uh-huh. and they have to listen to you yes yeah and they have to follow the rules. They have to follow the, dra- the rules, got to uh-huh. follow the regulations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. So, yeah, it, it was a good, a I good lesson. I can't believe this. Four and, four and a half years. Uh-huh. What point do you say, okay, that's it. That's a wrap. Well, what we, did it? We actually didn't. It was Brandon. He, at that point, was then 16. He did, he did the first year of high school in the homeschooling program. And um, <clears throat> at that point, we were in North Carolina, and he just wanted to get back into a regular school setting. He missed doing sports, being, you know, in, in, yeah. in a school environment. And we had made that clear to them that if they didn't want to continue with this, then we would quit, okay? And they could go back to school. And that's what the boys wanted to do. I mean, Kat was too young. It didn't yeah, matter did. to her. Right. And so, so we did. So we ended up in North Carolina on the Outer Banks and uh, put them in school there and then put the boat on the market. And we were lucky. Somebody was actually looking for this particular boat for a Fisher motor sailor from New York. He bought it. We stayed in North Carolina until the end of the school year, rented a house there on the Outer Banks. And one of those houses, houses on stilts. Yes. Okay. In the winter, right? And you have those northers blowing down. And those houses, they just rattle. They yes. shake. And I remember Brian coming out of the bathroom one day saying, Mom, there are white caps in the toilet. 
Oh my god. You know what white caps yeah. Oh, yeah, are. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, rough seas. Because because it was shaking so hard. So anyway, we stayed there until the end of the school year. We had sold the boat and then we bought a car and we drove back to California, moved back into our house. Now did you have, did you have to call the the people that were renting your house and say, Hey, we're coming back? Yeah, but they had plenty of notice, you know, because we knew for at least six months that okay. we were coming back. Yeah. And did yeah. Uh, in North Carolina did Kat go to school there? Yeah, she went to school oh, there. They all went to school there. Mm-hmm. How did I think that she go? did first grade there? Oh, it went fine. It was it was really nice. And the reason we went there because we did some research on schools because a lot of the schools on the East Coast, well, in the South especially, are not that great. Right. But Manio had a very good reputation for their school system, and that's really why we went there. And they also had a marina where we could have the boat and. For the first few months, we lived on the boat, and we were kind of an oddity in town. You know, Manu being a small town, yeah. we were the boat people. The boat people. The boat people, and the boat kids. Now, was was that were you popular because of this, or were they making fun of uh, you because of this? No, we were quite popular, and um, a local paper, and I still have the article for that. The local paper, <laughs> no the Coastland Times. Uh, send somebody to interview us and she did an interview on our boat trip and we had pictures of the boat and the whole family all over the front page it was just a little paper right you see but, i'm not the only one that's fascinated by this boat trip yeah see see we were big fish in a small town there yeah they even sent out the reporters i know i know because it's so bizarre yeah that's why yeah because this is nuts <laughs> It's just absolutely nuts. I can't get over this. Oh, it was a great experience. I, I, like, it's, it's like I, can't, I, I almost can't believe it. I've heard the story twice now. I still mm-hmm. can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, the kids years later said, why did we ever stop this? I said, no, wait a minute. Okay. You guys wanted to go back to school. Right. That's why. Oh, you should have made us. You should have made us stay. No, the kids loved it. And I can't really believe the local it. town, the boat people. Yeah, we were the boat people. <laughs> they sent out a, 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 a reporter yes. to find out what, like, what's going uh-huh. through your mind here. That's what the reporter's right. like. What is, like, who thinks of this? Oh, my. All right. So you drove back to San Diego, mm-hmm. moved into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, so, we had to rent, actually, the, the, the renters weren't quite out yet. Oh, they yeah. had another few months, so we rented a house close to the, in the same school district, and then eventually moved back in the house, yeah. And where, where was this house in San Diego? Our house? Yeah. On Mount Helix. Oh, Mount, oh, okay. Yeah, we lived on Mount Helix, uh-huh. Huh. And the kids went to Grossman High School, so we rented a house right behind Grossman High School for a few months. Nice. Until we could move back into ours. Okay, so how mm-hmm. was life when you got back here? Was it just weird at first? It was weird. It was? It was really weird. Really? Yeah. Like, why? I don't know. It was just, it was just weird. You didn't have anything to do in a way. Yeah, you had the housework and all this, but it was this constant. Okay, uh, planning. We're gonna go here. Okay, what's the weather like? You check the weather. You check this. You check that. What's the navigation here and this and that and that? And you didn't have to do that anymore. <laughs> you don't have to navigate going down to Vons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so easy. I know it was just it was, it was just weird. Being weird. Back. It was weird. How, th- how about Quintus? He did he enjoy it? Or was he good? Happy to get back? Or you know, I don't know. You know I don't know because that's when I decided to go back to school. Oh, this is okay. So all right, let's get I back had, to school. I had to get out of the house. So you said, all right, I'm going to school. I'm going to get my bachelor's, my master's. Yeah, but that, the, the main reason was really to get out of the house, to have a legitimate 
reason yeah. to get yeah. out of the house because I couldn't go out of the house otherwise. He did crazy things like if I would go grocery shopping or something like that and I'd be gone for a few hours, he'd say, where did you go? I said, well, I did the shopping. It doesn't take that long to do the shopping. Where did you go? You know, questions yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, more, more and more. More and more. More and more, yeah. And it drove you nuts. It just drove me crazy. And, and I just found out from from Kat, he thought I had an affair. We had a we had a, a Mexican guy living. We had a little room in the garage, okay. And he used to do our yard work. And uh, so he asked one time if he couldn't live in that room in the garage. And we said, sure, that would be fine. You know, and when he was there, my washer and dryer were in the garage, and I would fold my laundry there, and we would, I would chit-chat with him for a bit. I wasn't allowed to do the laundry in the garage anymore. Oh, and wow. I just can't ask me a while ago, she said, did you have an affair with Felipe? And I said, oh my, how can you say that? How can you say that? How can anybody even imagine that? Stupid things like that, yeah. you know, and it just drove me crazy. So, so I went to school. And th did the kids see that you were being driven crazy? Could they see it? No. At the time, they did not see the reason why. I don't think so. I really don't think so. They just they just realized we didn't get along well. Yeah. You know, it was it was tough on them. And really. then he, he would just pick things just constantly over and over and over. And then. Yeah. So, it, all right. When you went to school, did that help? Help me. Yeah. I'm saying get away and help. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. And he would show up on campus quite now, often. Now, hold on a second. Now, would you stay at the school? No, 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 no. You'd come back. No, no, I would come back. I picked the kids up from school. Yeah. I do my usual thing. Yeah. I just took classes. Didn't he start questioning what you were doing at school? Oh, yeah, I told him. I told him this is what I was going to do. No, but there wasn't he like, well, what'd you do today? Where were you? Like, was any questioning? Oh, yeah. Gone all yeah. Day? There were always questions. There were always questions. And, you know, so I said, he, he chose, because after I, when I did the master's program, I worked as a TA and I had an office there and he would show up there occasionally. Yeah, like, sure. oh, I just happened to be in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd come by. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Checking up on you. Yeah. All right, so yeah. then when, when did that one, like at what point, what was the last straw? That's where we got to, the last straw. The last straw actually was he had left his computer on one day, and usually he locked it. And it was on a page with his emails, and I happened to go by there and read this email, which I, he had written to his brother, where, where he said, like, oh, she's off and running again. You know, she's after all these young guys at the college and blah, blah, blah. And that's why she's going there and, and all this nonsense. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, I can't believe this. So after that, since his computer was open, I was looking at other emails. And that, that's what he did. He was telling all, all these people that... Um, that basically I was a runaround and yeah. I was cheating on him constantly and, and all this kind of nonsense. And that was, so I printed all that stuff out. And just as I'm printing the last page, he came in and I said, what is this? And he said, well, it's all true. I said, you've got to be out of your mind. That was it. That was it. That was it. That was it. That was the last straw. Yeah. He said, said I'm I done. Thought, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. Now, what did you tell the kids? I did. Well, Brandon was in North Carolina at the time. He went to Duke Law School, so he was there. Brian was living, he was going to UCSD, and he was living out there with a friend. And Kat was the only one still home. Mm -hmm. And she had just finished high school and was starting college, but was still living at home. Yeah. 
So I think it was harder than her. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, hey. And I, I felt terrible about that. You said, I'm done, I'm but out. I was done. And that was, you did it, you did it quickly. You just. I did it quickly. I packed my computer and my books and my toothbrush. And you just, you walked out. That's it. Mm-hmm. And now did you take Kat with you? What happened with Kat? No, I couldn't take her with me. I was staying with a friend because I didn't have any money. Mm. And then how'd you move forward? I was trying to make ends meet. Uh, fortunately, I was staying with a friend and she didn't charge me anything because unbeknownst to me, okay, in those days, and that was 1996, I think, yep. he closed all bank accounts, all credit cards, and I could not get a credit card as a woman because I was not the head of household. Mm. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. Everybody, Every bank turned me down. I mean, I thought, what is this? This is America in 1996. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, I was staying with my friend. And by that time, I had finished my master's. And I was working as a um, teaching it, teaching Spanish and German and English as a second language. I got the certificate for that, too, at colleges. But now here's another gripe about the education system. Yeah. Okay, it's extremely difficult to get a full-time job with the colleges. The reason for that is that they have to pay you benefits. Mm. Okay, so they keep most of these people as part-time. And if you teach a language class, it's five units. A language class is five units, and you can only teach at any given college five units, no more than that. Mm. As a as a as a part-time okay so i had a job at grossman college i had a job at costa mesa i had a job at ucsd all over the place and what they called us was the masters of the freeway you had your office in your trunk i had a box for each college and each college of course has a different textbook so you had to prepare individually for each one i would start at six in the morning teach for three hours, then drive up north, sit in a parking lot, prepare for the next, teach, sit in another parking lot, prepare for the next, teach, get home at 11 o'clock, start again at 6 in the morning. And the pay is nothing. You just get paid for the hours you work. You get absolutely no benefits, no health care, no nothing. And then at the end of the semester, they say to you, Okay, if, if we need you next semester, we will contact you. So you sit there and you don't know, are you going to have a job? Are you not going to have a job? And whatever offers do come in, you take them right away, even though they're 100 miles away, because you don't know if you get anything else. Mm. It's just horrible. Wow. Yeah. Is that still going on, that same type of, probably, I, right? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm absolutely certain. And so how that. long did you do that? Like that, this. Uh... Uh, I did that about three years. And now, did you have custody, like split custody? Did you have... No, the kids were old enough. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Kat was staying, was staying at home for another year. And then uh, when she went to college, she moved out and she moved in with a friend. They had a little apartment next to San Diego State. You know, and I would see the kids. And I mean, Brandon was, was in North Carolina, as I said, but the other yeah. kids I would see. Yeah. And then how was the relationship with the, the, the kids at that point, like Kat and... 
Uh, with Cat, it was okay. With the boys, well, with all of them, because he kind of manipulated the kids into believing that what a horrible person I was. Yeah. And I just let it be. I felt the less I say, the better. Eventually, they will come around, which they did. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was nothing I could do. I did not want to talk to them. I didn't want to badmouth him. Right. Yeah. It's always a difficult situation, something like that. Oh, yeah, you know, totally. and and so I just blamed. I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything about him. I just when I saw them, it was nice, but I could feel this. You know, like mom did all that. It's all mom's fault and so on and so on. You know, but eventually they came around. Eventually the truth. Eventually, yes. I I still remember one time Kat calling me and she was crying. And I said, what's the matter? She said, oh, mom, you have no idea what it's like to live with this man. Talking about Quint. Mm. Okay, she was still at home. She's crying. She said, you have no idea what it's like to live with this man. And I just had to laugh. And I said, yes, I do. That's why I'm not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a real revelation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, they all love their dad and they should, you know, it's their dad. But they all are aware now that he's just an extremely difficult person to live with. Yeah. Eventually it would come around. You know, and they all humor him. And. Yeah. You know. Wow. So. Wow. Okay. So then moving forward, what did you meet another guy? What happened? Well, here we go. Yeah. Here, here, here I'm doing another one. I mean, I'm not very good at picking men. Okay. I'm just not very good at that. That's why <laughs> this is it. This is it. Okay. So in 2000, I, it, it was sort of a coincidence. I was giving a ride to a friend to West Marine because he, he, it was a German couple from who lived in La Paz and uh, he was up here visiting, and I met him through my friend, older couple. And he had just bought himself at 71 his first little sailboat. So he wanted to go to West Marine, buy some parts. I took him there. And, um, you know, he's looking around forever. So I'm looking at all these free sailing magazines, and there was an ad in there. Somebody is saying, I'm looking for someone to go cruising on my sailboat. And so that evening, we all had dinner together, and I said, well, look, maybe, you know, the hell with all this college work I'm doing, which is not getting anywhere anyway, um, maybe I should go sailing. And, I mean, I loved our sailing trip, and I just thought, hey, I would love to do that again. So anyway, I contacted, I answered the email. And after emailing back and forth for quite a while, I found out that he also, that he did have a boat in San Diego, that he was also in San Diego. So, you know, we sort of dated on and off for a little bit. And, uh, well, he was a nice guy. You know, he he was funny. And I needed to have somebody funny in my life for for the time being. And um, the sailing trip was really on my mind. Yeah. So he showed me his boat. And uh, it was a nice sailboat. And so in the end, I said, okay, I'll give it a try for the trip between here and Cabo San Lucas. And if we hate each other, you know, I can always go back. Yeah. And so we went on the, I don't know if you ever heard on the, of the Baja Haha. It's a sailing regatta that is put on by Latitude... 36, which is a sailing magazine out of San Francisco. And it's a big regatta, 
mostly put on for people who don't really dare to go out on the ocean by themselves. Right. Okay. Because you have to have four crew yeah. on it and you sign up for it and you, the whole bunch, you all go together. You leave San Diego, you have a couple stops along the way and then you end up in Cabo San Lucas. Okay. And you have parties along the way at the stops and it's, it's a big hurrah kind of thing. So that's what he signed up for. And it was a lot of fun. We had another couple along. <clears throat> and um, On the same boat? On the same boat, yeah, because he had to have four. Yeah. And uh, and once you actually, there were about 120 boats leaving, but once you actually go out, they all disperse. And you really, because I thought, my gosh, that many boats leaving at the same time, we run into each other, right. you know? Yeah. But you actually don't see them after a few days. So that was fun. So in Cabo San Lucas, we reassessed and I decided to move to go on. And so, the, and you found this from an ad, yeah, of a guy that said, "Who wants to sail with me?" Right. And this was because the other guy was looking for a part or something. You happen to be looking in this magazine. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you get to Cabo <laughs> and you reassess. And you think, okay, I'm going to go on. This was. Yeah, this, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm going to go on. I'm having fun. Yeah, it was a fun guy. Nice guy. Nice guy. You know, it was a decent boat, and. Um, it was another adventure. Okay, and then where'd you go from there? Um, we went. You come back? Like what? No, we we went down the coast. And then you told your kids you were doing this, right? I told, told, yeah, I told, I talked to my kids about it, and I said, "What do you guys think?" And I also brought him on the boat one time, introduced the kids, and I said, "What do you think? What do you think I should do?" And they all said, "Go for it, mom." Yeah. You know, so I thought, well, what do I have to lose? Okay. If he turns out to be a real shit after after another year, I can yeah. always get another right. stupid job. That's right. And um, so I did. And so we we essentially went down the coast, went through the Panama Canal, but a lot more slowly, a lot more slowly. Spent about a year in the Sea of Cortez, which is gorgeous, and um, and then um, came up Belize. Same kind of thing, yeah. more or less. Yeah. But this time we sailed all the way up to New York and to Long Island. Wow. And uh, that was an incredible thing. Were the other two, sailing. was the other couple with you? No, 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 no. They only came as far okay. as Cabo San Lucas. Gotcha. Okay, after that we were on our own. And, uh, you know, I had all this, all the skills that he didn't have. Okay, he had never been, except for day sails out of San Diego Bay, he had never been out on the ocean. Right. And um, so I... He didn't really know that much about navigation and the weather and all that, but I did that. You know, he did the mechanical side and yeah. the sailing bit, yeah. and I did that. So we complemented each other that way, and um, yeah, it was fun. Um, and so you went all the way up to Long Island. All the way up to Long Island. Uh huh. We actually wanted to go to Maine, but we hung around New wow. York too long, and then it got too cold, so we came back. And now, how long did it take you to where? At this point, how long are you on the ocean or on the? Well, on the boat. Well, again, again, we were, oh, how long? Yeah. Eight, eight years. Eight years? Uh-huh. Eight I can't, years. So you hit me with a boat story for four years. <laughs> and then another one. And I had no idea there was another boat story. There was another boat story. For twice as long. Yes, for twice as long. Yeah. But this time, I could play. I didn't have I can't even homeschooling. get over this now. I didn't have to this cook is, for all these It's too kids. much for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is too much. Another boat story, yeah. Eight years? Mm-hmm. Eight, eight years. Eight years. This one was eight uh -huh. years. Uh-huh. What? 
I, I, this is too much for me. I can't. <laughs> my head's about to explode. <laughs> Who's, did this guy have family? Like, Yeah, who? he has two kids. Jody. Jody. You know Jody. It's his daughter. Oh, my gosh. This is. Yeah. So did he just say, because she, she had to be young at that point. Um, no, she's a couple of years older than Kat. Oh, she is? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. I uh-huh. can't get over this. No, his and, kids were grown. And so at what, I mean, how many years in were you like, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to keep going with this. Eight years? Eight years. Well, but that, by that time, they were all having jobs and doing their own thing. And, uh, you know, I would see them. I would come home during hurricane season where we had to keep the boat somewhere safe. Um, yeah, I mean. So you would come home? Yeah, I would see them. Wait a minute, wait. So w- would you sail back? No, 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 no. We would store the boat somewhere during hurricane season. You see, during hurricane season between June and November, you can't really be out there in most areas right. because uh, you can't get insurance. Ah, I you see. know, makes sense. If you get hit by a hurricane, so you so you dock the boat, whatever, mm-hmm. and then you'd fly back here. Yeah, hang out for a bit. Right, and you guys were, must have been getting along really well. Yeah, we did at that time. And then say, okay, let's go back to the boat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then where would you go? You would sail down the, the, the to Florida again? What were you doing? No, we, we we stopped a lot of places along the way down Mexico. And wherever we could find a place to leave the boat safely, we would then hop on a, what we call a chicken bus and explore the inland areas. You know, since I didn't have kids to take care of at this point, we and could just do all that. So obviously, was he retired? Yeah, he was retired. So he retired early. He retired at 50. 50? <laughs> what did he do? <clears throat> he used to do um, kitchen cabinet, wholesale yeah. kind of thing. So obviously, he had some money socked away to be able to, Yeah. eight years, Yeah. just sail yeah, and around. His, and his, his dad did some great investments that benefited yeah. him and his siblings, you know, so... Oh my gosh, yeah. this is unbelievable. And you don't really need that much money. You don't? I mean, you do for maintenance, okay? Yeah. Your, your main Isn't budget item is maintenance. And no, fuel. because it was a sailboat. Oh, that's true. It was a sailboat. You know, oh. the, the Yankee Clipper was more of a motorcycle. So you needed more fuel. the sails. Yeah, we were actually using the sails, but that's... we were using the engine too, but we also had a small engine. Yeah. You know, because this, this was a regular sailboat, it was a sloop. How often do you have to mess with the sails when you were at like. Like you're moving them around. You're moving them around, adjusting all day. No, most of the time we just put them on one. We weren't that kind of a sailor that has to trim things. I mean, some people do. Okay, we just went from A to B and anchored in some nice bay and then hung out there for a while. I can't believe with other sailors and um, you know had a good time. Okay, so yeah. This is unbelievable. All right, so how did this run, <laughs> pun intended, how did this run its course? It's, the, well, <laughs> it seems to happen all the time yeah, to well, me. I don't know. Hey. I don't know. Um, but you're having some adventures in the meantime. Well, so yeah, cool. yeah, I was. I was. No, the boat trip, everything was, was, was great. Uh, and then we decided uh, to sell the boat back in 2007, I think. And uh, since we didn't have a home in the States anymore, we decided, let's go somewhere, let's just go settle somewhere else. So we thought about northern Panama, we thought about Ecuador, we thought about Mexico, and then we thought, well, Mexico is probably best because we have kids here and it's easier to get there. It's close. 
So we bought a car, drove around Mexico, couldn't find anything the first time around. And then we went back to the Bahamas with the boat, met this couple there on a boat. And they said, oh, we just bought a place in Mexico. You should come to this. It's really nice. So they invited us to stay with them for a while. And um, so we went there the next summer and um, loved it. You know, it's a place called Ahihik, which is um, just south of Guadalajara on Mexico's biggest lake. Mountains all around, beautiful. Nice village. And so we bought a house there. Then we went back, rented out the house, went back to Florida to sell the boat. And uh, actually, we're lucky. Somebody, before we even had it with a broker, somebody looked at it, was interested, bought it. And, uh, yeah. And, and so I'm just trying to grasp this. This isn't the craziest thing ever, I think. So, all right, so you sold the boat. Uh-huh. And this is, you had already bought a house in Mexico. Yeah. So we sold the boat, and then we had another five months to kill because we rented out the house for six months because we figured it would take at least six months to a year to sell, to the, sell boat. the boat. We were just extremely lucky, you know. So then, you, okay, so then you just hung out and... No, I happened, well, I, I went to visit my mother. My mother was still alive at the time, so I went to Germany. He went to Phoenix. His, his family was in Phoenix. And then while I was at my mother's, I, I found this flight for 150 bucks round trip from Orlando to Bogota in Colombia. So I sent him an email saying, listen, we still have another month to kill. Um, how would you like to go to Colombia? And, and he was always easy with that because he didn't do any planning. I did all the planning. Yeah. And he said, okay, that's fine. So we went to Colombia for a month and traveled around that country. That was interesting. Wow. Okay. So what did you do in Colombia? Traveled from one place to the other. All right, and then what, <laughs> then you went back to Mexico. No, then we back to, went back to Florida, where we had the car. We had bought a car in the oh, meantime yeah. and put our stuff from the boat on it and drove back to to Mexico and moved into our house. And meanwhile, it's great because you can speak Spanish, mm-hmm. right? So everywhere you're going here, you're you're translating, mm-hmm. and, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't speak Spanish. A little, a little bit. He grew up in Yuma, so he had oh, okay. some Spanglish. All right, so then you so you took the car. You uh-huh. had a car, and then mm-hmm. when when did you make it back to Mexico? Whatever, what happened? Yeah, we here? drove back to Mexico. Yeah, from okay. from from Cape Canaveral. All right. So then, how did that go? When you got back there, fine. Yeah, it went fine for quite a few years. Okay, and I think, I think what really changed was COVID. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden he wasn't doing anything anymore, hmm. and uh, I think he was convinced COVID was going to kill him. Yeah. And things just went sour. I don't. I. I still don't know why. Mm. I seriously don't. And then he started being possessive and jealous, which he never was before. And I thought, oh my gosh, another Quint. Yeah, this is post COVID. Post. Yeah. During COVID. During COVID. And during COVID. Yeah. This is in Mexico. In Mexico. Yeah. He started doing funny things. If you go out like this again, like. Wearing leggings. If if you if you do this again, don't bother coming home. If you do that, don't bother coming home. And stupid things like that, mm. you know. And I said, wait a minute, okay. And so then, so then you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. No, it wasn't. Well, sort of, I'm done with this. Yeah. But then, then one day he says, this is it. I'm done with this. Yeah. 
okay, I'm moving back to Phoenix. So he's packing his stuff in the car. Yep. Okay. And I said, okay, that's what you want to do. Um, the night before he was leaving, he wakes me up and he says, you know, I think I'm making a big mistake. And I said, you know something? Why don't you go check it out? Because for the whole year before, he kept threatening me with that. I'm moving out. I'm going back to Phoenix. And this is this. And I don't want to be here anymore. I said, go check it out. Go back, back to Phoenix and stay for six months and see what you want to do with the rest of your life. Okay? Because this isn't going to work. So he did. Well, he stayed there for two weeks. And he calls me and said, I'm bored. I said, you were bored here. He said, well, I'm coming back. I'm bored here. I said, uh-uh, doesn't work that way, okay? You're going to stay there for six months, and you're going to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And um, this kind of wishy-washy stuff yeah. all the time, you know, I'm bored here, I'm bored there, and you always gone. Well, he resented me going hiking, because I'm, I'm a big hiker. Yeah. So I was gone about three mornings a week, on my hikes he hates that which is fine he doesn't have to do that right but you know there are other things to do right and um i don't know i don't know what happened he quit everything he played pickleball for a while he quit that and he quit the gym while well, the gym wasn't open during covid yeah. and you know he just he sat in front of the tv and watched cnn all day oh. i mean anybody would go crazy especially after CNN. that yeah and so so that was it that was the end of that hmm. basically and so he stayed in Phoenix. Well, we, decide, we decided to meet after six months, which we did, which right after Kat's wedding. He came to San Diego, and um, I had told him, I said, listen, I want a plan. I want you to think about that. You have six months. I want you to think about what you want to do. And he came back, and I said, okay, go ahead, talk. Basically, all he said was, um, okay, are we getting back together, yes or no? And I thought, this is it? Really? Yeah. And I said, no. Call it a day. Call it a day. Wow. So, here we go. Yeah, quite the adventurous (laughs) life. Like, you've got a, you've lived like four different lives, at least. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Adventures, eight years on a boat, four years on a boat, Germany. Yeah. You're in Mexico now. Uh All right, so mom, let's land this plane on what you've picked up in your life, where you're at now, because you're starting another adventure, I think, right? I am, I am. A fresh adventure here. Fresh adventure. I just started it. Last, it just, last year I went to Portugal and I walked 250 kilometers, no, actually 350 kilometers from Porto, the town of Porto in yeah. Portugal, to Santiago de Compostela in Spain with a backpack. So that's my next adventure. That's your next okay. adventure? Yeah. I'm going to do this until a day... I kind of keel over. All right. So what have you learned along the way here? Give me the learning lessons that you can the learning pass lesson on the is, pearls to uh, our younger well, viewers yeah. and listeners. Uh, you go through, you sometimes go through very difficult times in your life. Okay. And both, both times with both divorces were very difficult for me. I had anxiety issues. I had, couldn't sleep, you know, the, the, the usual thing. Yeah. Okay. And it was really hard. And I mean, I'm probably made it sound like fun, but yeah. you know, there, there are always difficult times. And I think we all go through this. Life is not on an even keel. 
but what I learned from it is that, and I learned that actually from Jason, because quite often when I would come to Katz, I would have a talk with Jason, and Jason would always set me back to be calm mm. and to believe in myself because at times I really had a hard time. I just felt like maybe I should just end this. This is not worth living and so on and so on and so on. And Jason you, you got sits, that deep into... I really did, yeah. But Jason sits down with you and that man is incredible. Yep. You know him. Absolutely. And um, so, so yeah, I, no matter how difficult things get, as, as I learned from Jason, you have to have faith. You have to have trust in yourself and you need to get rid of the fear. And that is really the worst thing because when you go through difficult times, you have a lot of fear. Yeah. You know, you worry about it. What is the future going to help? What am I going to do? What am I going to do financially? How is this going to pan out? And so on and so on. And you need to get, you need to be able to get rid of that fear and have faith and trust in something bigger. That's right. Exactly. And that's really what, I, what I've learned. That, 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 that's the most important thing I've learned from that. Yeah, because you're when you're talking about this stuff, you're you know you're we're we're kind of staying top level here that you were you're good you were good everything's fine yeah, but yeah. in the grand scheme of things you had your bouts of uh, doubt fear depression mm-hmm. thinking should I mm-hmm. even go on I know yeah wow yeah you do no matter no matter how much fun you have in your life there's always these little sections of your life that don't go the way you want them yes. to go, you know, and you really start doubting yourself and you start wondering, what am I doing here? Why am I actually here? Why don't I just end this, yeah. you know, do away with it? And what's the point? And yep. yes, there is a point. Yeah, exactly. You that's know. that's the point is there yeah, is a point. That's the point. And you just move on. Yeah, we're here for a reason. Um, God put us here for a reason yeah. that we're meant to do something while we're here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is this has been amazing. Um, and also, don't hold on to anger. That's mm, another thing, you yeah. know, because you tend to say, "Oh, that son of a beehive," yes. you know, I hate him. What's the point? You're just hurting yourself. That's you right. have to draw a line and just say, "Okay, I forgive you. Whatever you did that hurt me, so be it." Okay, draw a line, forgive it. Hope you have a happy life, and leave it at that. And that's so important. Very, very important. Like very one of the important. most important things in your life to live a mm-hmm. life of joy is you have to forgive. Exactly. Others. Yeah, you do. You and, do. There's nobody that this doesn't pertain to that's listening or watching or even on mm-hmm. the planet. Mm-hmm. We all have somebody in our life that we have held a grudge against. Oh, yeah. That we um, just won't forgive won't forget mm-hmm. and it's and it's weighing us down yes it is you know what i'm saying it is yeah yeah that's why it's not worth it it's, it's not, not worth it because you're it's only hurting you it. said it. you're only hurting yourself exactly wow. yeah and once 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 you get to that point where you can forgive that person all that fear all that anxiety kind of goes away i mean you still have to work at it i, I did a lot of work on myself during the last year with a lot of help from Jason. Yeah. And uh, I'm reaping the benefits now. But it was hard work. It was hard work. It always is. You know, so life isn't always fun and sailing and sunsets. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the the day, ladies and gentlemen, life is really challenging. And I'm using a very nice word when I say challenging. 
It is. You know, the old saying is what, life's a bitch? Yeah. It sums it up. It does. I'm going to say it. It, it sums does. it. And I tell my kids this all the time. Listen, someday life is going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. So I need to get you prepared for that. Yes. Because right now you got it easy. You get whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. Someday life's going to be really tough. Yep. And you better be ready for it. That's right. And the key is to surround yourself with people in your life who uh, will sow into you, who will believe in you, mm-hmm. who will who will root you on, who will watch your back, which as you've said, <laughs> right, uh, the last year, Jason has been there for you. Yeah. To build confidence in you, to make sure that you believe in yourself. Yes. Right? Because self-belief, yeah. um, self-awareness. And not just Jason, also Kat. Oh, yeah. You of know, course. She, she would call me and say, Mom, you got to work on this. Okay? You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again, uh, it's been an absolute honor, a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with me today. Um, I just love you and your family. Kat's been such a big part of our family. We are l- so excited of what's to come and to share some adventures with you guys uh, for the rest of our lives. So, ladies and gentlemen, Real Deal Talk, that's a wrap. Uh, let's go. Have a nice Thank day. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. Love you.